0: And I think that young people, I know it's hard, it's lofty goals and they're like, don't believe in abolish the stereotype and don't believe in the box that they put you in. But life is so short that you can't waste even a day subscribing to what someone thinks you can do versus knowing what you can do. And that's like the switch. It's it's like the switch in your head is if you can get to a place where you can act on that in the next hour after we're done speaking, I guarantee you it's a domino effect. Everything just starts like, sort of like, you know, obliterating itself away. Hello again, Uh, I hope you're well. I know it's been a little bit since one of these came out, Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> um. Hopefully, we get more regular with them. I, my kind of aim is one a month. If that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. Sometimes, no, no biggie, really. Um, but yeah. So today's episode is a little bit different from what I normally do. Um, I feel like I say that at the start of all of them, to be honest. In this episode, I speak to one of my lecturers from university called Jim Williams, who is a gentleman. that's done. Uh, a few different things in his career and we sort of discussed them uh briefly in the podcast including um he was one of the founding members of the chase uh the design agency in manchester which have gone on to do really big things including sort of the jd adverts that you see on tally at christmas time and things like that uh, he's the author of a book called type matters uh, which is probably one of the better type books that i've ever come across and it's gone all over the world and we talk about that talk about how he got into teaching because he's obviously a lecturer at, uh, at my university and yeah that's pretty much it I think. Um, I hope you enjoy. So for the people that don't know you can you tell them sort
1: of who you are and what you do. My name is Jim Williams I'm a graphic designer and I'm Particularly known for typography, I'm the author of a, a, a um, quite an important book on type uh, called Type Matters, and um, I also teach uh, part time at uh, Staffordshire University, and are lucky enough to have Brian
0: as one of my students. Are you? Re- have you wrote the answers down, and you just reading them back? No, I'm just responding as we speak. Because oh, <laughs> it looks like you're reading something. No, no,
1: honestly, Brian, I'm not. I'm just, uh, as as you lay them on me, I'm just going to
0: wing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. So, um, yeah, so obviously your career has been in design. Is that something that you've had an interest in from kind of a young age or is it something that you got interested in later on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Before Before I even knew what it was, Brian, you know, when I was... When I was like in, you know, the the last year of my school and going into sixth form, I just really started to enjoy drawing letter forms. There was this, uh, my first attempt at drawing letter forms was a, a black letter. And believe it or not, I've still got it. <laughs> so it's, a little, it's a little, like, little compact mirror-sized piece of paper. And I've tried to create a black letter alphabet. And I... I found that, um, um, you know, I could, I could, I had a, I don't know, I just, I just really enjoyed drawing letter forms. And then what happened was at at my school in Liverpool, um, I was studying A level tech drawing. But Brian, I enjoyed the drawing, but I couldn't do the maths. The maths just left me cold. But the, 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 the teacher who taught it was, um, he also ran a little print shop in the school, a little letterpress print shop. And he, sometimes I'd see on his desk, these proofs, these letterpress proofs for, you know, dance tickets for people and, and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, I found that more interesting than actually trying to design a cog or a gear or, or something like that, you know, it's just like, Oh, wow, what's that? Okay. I'm interested in that. You know, and that that was it. Then I then I got to um I did A level R and I had an art teacher called John Sankey. And uh, he'd come from a design background and he started saying to me, Have you thought about graphic design, Jim? Well, I would they would have called me James, obviously it's kind of <laughs> um yeah, and then that—that that was it, Brian. Once I knew what it was, that was—I knew that was what I wanted to do. I was very lucky because I've always been quite focused in terms of you know my subject and um,
0: what I want to do. I'm kind of like that. I've, I've been thankful for that for a couple of times because I've—I know I've, I've never wanted to kind of do this from when I was about thirteen, um, and it's just kind of snowballed from there. So I've kind of like you know looking about now. Oh, there are some people in my age that don't know. What they want to do still you know they're still floating about from different things and they're just going from job to job but it is quite nice to sort of know early on what you yeah what you exactly want
1: to get into. yeah and i think also you know the sense of reward that this job can give you you know when you go into a bookshop and you see your cover or you you see a 48 sheet poster or you know you see your work out there in in the world in the workplace and stuff i, I don't think there's many jobs that can
0: Give you that kind of satisfaction. Yeah, definitely. Not. Um, doo, 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 doo. So yeah, this is just basically me stalking your your LinkedIn. But after graduation you were, moved down to London. You told me before you've had to at the very start you were like sleeping in a van and things like that. Um and you work for a um, a design agency called Collet I might butcher the name, but it's called Collet it, Dixon Pierce, which is kind of are they are they quite a well known agency?
1: Well, what happened, Brian, was I first I first went to work um, for an advertising agency. So so I went from a rundown area of Preston in Lancashire to, um, you know, the obscene wealth of Knightsbridge in London. And um, I was working for an agency called Benton Bowles, but I was, I was, I was, I went to work there um, straight from uni. And I went to work with a lady called Maggie Lewis. And Maggie Lewis at the time was one of the foremost advertising typographers. You know, she was very well known, very accomplished. And I went to work for her um, and, you know, stayed there a couple of years. And then I, uh, before I returned to Manchester, um, I, and I did two years at an agency called Collet Dickinson Pierce, which is probably one of the most important advertising agencies in UK advertising history. So they did all the classic, like Benson and Hedges work, Carling Lager and and stuff like that, you know, just really seminal, important visual communication. And I was there two years and um, I got the opportunity to come back to Manchester um, as part, you know, at the beginning of the chase and stuff, so. Yeah, it's, it's been a good ride.
0: <laughs> I guess just carrying on from that, can you touch a little bit of your time at the, uh, the Chase?
1: Well, I was there for the first three and a half years, Brian. I was one of the first people up there. And uh, it was really um, when Ben Casey, the guy who set it up, he also taught me. He taught me at Preston. So I was going to work for someone that had taught me, who obviously I had, a, you know an enormous amount of respect for and uh, you know it was great and what what I was talking to John about this the you know the other the other on Tuesday that Manchester now you know in, in terms of our industry is the second city. You can have a, a fulfilling career in Manchester. And I'm not saying it's solely down to the chase. It isn't of course but The Chase was a catalyst, okay? So what happens is people come to work at The Chase, then they realize they've probably reached a plateau in terms of how far they can go. So they either leave, go back to London, or they set up their own thing. They set up their own studios. And that's kind of happened, lots of people. Like, you know of Glorious, don't you? Glorious in Manchester. I
0: think I might have heard of it, yeah. Um, Wait, I might have heard of okay, it.
1: Okay, so like, yeah, edit. Do yeah, you remember Karen? Eddie, yeah. Karen who came in. So they're all ex chase So they've left and, you know, set up their own thing. But M- Manchester's a great scene, Brian. Honestly, when, you know, when I was in your shoes, um, you, you just you just went to London, that was it. You know, outside of London, it was a wilderness, You know, I mean, there were agencies and stuff, but there was no one really doing any good work. And, you know, if you were were motivated by that, wanted to do good
0: work, then obviously you went to London. I've asked a couple of people this before, and if you you can't answer it, because I'm just springing it on you now, if you can't answer it, that's fine. What do you think sets, because I mean like if you if you could if you, could, if you were to compare stoke and manchester for example stoke is kind of it's still stuck in the 70s in a way isn't it Do you know what i mean it's still stuck in that kind of pottery thing we haven't really progressed since then and then manchester is kind of it's, it was it was you know it was the kind of the cotton um central wasn't it and then it's moved on to kind of you know it was it was kind of the home of music for the world for a certain point wasn't it and then it's kind of gone on now to be like you know football and the home of creativity what why do you think it is that they've kind of just what's special about Manchester as to where they've been able to do that whereas you know some cities haven't you know really been able to bound on like that
1: yeah Um. well I think I think Manchester's always been a forward looking city Brian you know I think you're right I think Stoke is stuck in the past and you know it, it would be great if that industry obviously returned to Stoke and I think that it, it is a bit but you know it's you have to move on you have to change you have to adapt things change <clears throat> and if you don't change with them you get left behind you know and as i say i think manchester you know you understand the history of manchester and stuff and <clears throat> obviously it needs the right people to do it you know, you need the right people to come in and do it. But I think Manchester has been, you know, I mean, that's why we have the B. The B is the symbol of Manchester because of its industry. It's so industrious that that's, you know, the symbol of Manchester. I I think, I mean, for you guys now graduating, I, I think, you know, that there's so much more opportunity. You might not immediately see it, but... Uh, you know, I'm promoting Manchester, but you know there are really good people in Liverpool, Brian. There are good people in Birmingham, Leeds. Uh, um, Scotland has some amazing agencies and, and design companies. You know, so it's still it still is, you know, still I guess kind of focused in London, but it's 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 not to the same degree. There's lots of good people. Outside of, L- doing, outside of London, doing good work and getting noticed for it.
0: So, um, yeah, you mentioned your book type matters uh, a little bit at the start. Um, could you go into a little bit more detail about how it sort of came to be?
1: Well, what happened was, Brian, I was, um, I was asked by a design company in Manchester um, to give a series of talks. I went to see them. I was actually looking for work. And I went to see them and uh, obviously in, in, the, in the meeting, um, we started discussing typography and their creative director and managing director said to me, you know, Jim said, we're not very impressed with the level of typography uh, coming out, you know, from young, from young graduates. So, you know, we're a bit concerned about, about their lack of understanding So they said to me, would would I give a series of talks? And one of those talks would be just on simple basic principles of, you know, how not software, Brian, not keyboard commands, just an understanding of what makes good typography. And um, I did this presentation, did this talk to to the agency and. I came home and and all over the summer this presentation I just kept it on my desktop it was just on my desktop you know I didn't know what to do with it and when we started back at Staffs in the September the course leader was at that point was a lady uh, a lady called Barbara Ridley who left Staffs to go to Glasgow School of Art and I just happened to mention to Barbara said Barbara I've done this thing over the summer it, it wouldn't take much for me to prepare it for print. Do you think the university would would fund, for, would, you know would fund it? And uh, sure enough, Barbara went off. She got the money. It got printed, and um, Creative Review picked it up. Brian, Creative Review covered it, and you know for me it wasn't a great piece of design. It was just simply a a, a little booklet trying to help students to understand what makes good type. And um, they picked it up. And then literally I came in one morning, you know, because I'm only at staffs two days. And I came in one morning and opened me uni email. And it was just emails from all over the world. My my inbox was just flooded with emails that they'd seen this thing on creative review. And could they have a copy? And you know, the, the university was very good. They they started sending them out. They start they were sending them to people all around the globe, Thailand, Portugal, America. But there was two, excuse me. There was two emails that really stood out. One was from a publishers in New York called Abrams, and the other one was from the design studio of Apple in California. And the guys, the Apple guys, was just simply asking for copies of, of you know, the booklet for their, for their designers. So obviously we sent quite a few over to Apple in California. And I then started entering into a dialogue with Abrams, and they were saying, yeah, we've seen this thing on Creative Review. Have you thought about making it into a book? And I said, well, you know, my wife has often said to me, why don't you do a book? Even if you just do it for yourself, you put everything down, you know, and you know, just see how it goes. Now, I, I had a, 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 I had a couple of conversations with Abrams, and um, it, they they decided not to go ahead with it uh, for whatever reason. But that that kind of gave me the confidence to think, well, maybe there is something in it. You know, maybe I should try and do something with it. So what I did was I, I did a lot of research and I found I think there's four or five publishers that I thought would be right for that book. And, um, I I got some lovely responses. You know, you you what you have to do is promote. Uh, is to um, contact the commissioning editors. And they were lovely, Brian, really lovely. They're all really complimentary. Some of them asked me to... One, one of them asked me to do it as a handbook for InDesign, and that's what it wasn't about. One asked me... One said that, that they were currently working on a book on typography and would I consider writing a chapter for them? Um, and then there was one who just said, look we love the book, we can't do it now, but I would be happy to advise you on any deal that you get. And then sure enough, I sent it off to Merrill, and Meryl, um, were really on it, Brian. They just knew straight away. And their, their creative director was a lady called Nicola Bailey. And as soon as Nicola Bailey saw the, de- the design proposal, because I, I submitted a design proposal as well, which was in this notebook form, and she just got it straight away, Brian. And yeah, I got a deal straight away. And um, the rest's history, as they say.
0: <laughs> what was the um what was the process like from going sort of the from the sort of the note the the idea that you had at the beginning in terms of I assume it was just like a little paper flip book and then they've taken that into a yeah, full thing?
1: It was just a little twenty page A4 landscape booklet yeah. that led to this hundred and sixty page um you know, book and um it was great, you know, I, I, think, I think, you know, Merrill were, were the perfect publisher for it because they didn't, you know, they supported the design. They, they got it straight away. They got the, you know, the connection with the notebook feel, you know, so that it becomes something that you keep close by. You know, we all, as designers and creative people, we all have notebooks. We all keep notebooks. We jot ideas down. We jot down things that we see that we think, well, that might be useful for that project. Uh, so that I had, I presented them more or less with a, a complete concept, um, and they went with it straight away. Some of the other publishers that I spoke about, I wouldn't have had the control on the design, and that was fundamental for me. It, 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 the book either went ahead as I saw it as I envisaged or it just didn't go ahead. And um, Merrill would just write from day one, yeah, we get it, we get the connection. we understand what you're doing and we'd love to publish it. And then um, they thought Merrill thought that it would only ever don't only ever be uh, an English an English edition. And then it went on to be translated into German and Dutch
0: to other languages. So yeah. It was... Dutch is quite high, isn't it? Because the Netherlands are kind of they're they're quite designed, you know, they're designed forward, aren't they? So the idea yeah. it's over there is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well I think I think
1: I think part of the, the book the success of the book is the way it looks as well, Brian. You know, the people that they understand the connection that the book is trying to make, that it's like a notebook. It's like it's something that you keep close by, you you know. And the number of times, you know, I've gone into agencies and design groups and I've seen the book there on people's desks, not up on a shelf where you you have a quick flick through it and it, it stays up there for 20 years. You know, going in and seeing it on
0: people's desks kind of, yeah, maybe I did get it right. Maybe. No, it did. Honestly, as I said in the email to you, I've, I've read different type books. Obviously, I've got some behind me. Yours is probably one of, if not the best one I've come across. It's very clear. It's very concise. And you see it.
1: It's access, It's accessible. Yeah. Brian. You
0: don't need a high bar to, to understand it, do you? Whereas some other ones, you know, they might have some language. But even in, with yours, yeah. I think it does explain the language, doesn't it? It talks about, you know, yeah. ligatures and things like that. But it will yeah, explain I mean, what a ligature is as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the nicest emails I got when the when the book was published was actually from a um, a retired art teacher, and she uh, she was wanting she she did watercolors as a hobby, and she wanted to start applying type to her watercolors. So she bought my book, and and then she contacted me and said, "You just make it easy to understand." And that's what it does. And a large part of that, Brian, as well, comes from my teaching at staffs. You know, understanding how you've got to couch that information. Because it is, it is easy to get lost in all the jargon and terminology of type, you know. And, um, you know... I, uh, that's what the book does. It's, it's like a series of very quick presentations. It explains how to use apostrophes, explains really quickly, you know, the, the three different types of rule and what you use them for and how to how to make sure that you've got the right rule. You know, where for, so for an N dash, you compare it against a lowercase n. For an M dash, you compare it against the capital M. And that, that is a good, um, just a little tip that will help you Ensure that you're using the right marks. Mm.
0: What, I'll, um, what I'll do at the end is I'll, because I'll do a bit of an outro at the end. After after I've recorded this, like I record it later, I'll tell people to buy mm. it. So I'll tell people to go to Amazon yeah. and just like, plug it for you. Thank yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, yeah, just to cut in, this is me editing uh, things afterwards, but I actually realized I forgot to plug Jim's book at the end. So uh, yeah, go and buy Jim's book. It's on Amazon. You can probably get it anywhere that sells books, really. It's called Type Matters. Um, it's a lovely black-bound book, and I promise you'll learn something from it. So, yeah, we mentioned a couple of times how you're obviously a lecturer now. Um, could you maybe touch a little bit on how you got started in teaching?
1: Um, yeah, I have a, a very good friend of mine from my Chase days. We worked together at the Chase, a, a chap called Bryn Jones, very, very good designer. Um, he He went into teaching... And he said to me on a, a couple of occasions, Jim, why don't you give it a go? I said, and I was really busy. I, I had loads of work then, Brian. I was, you know, I I was doing really well with, you know, with freelance and stuff. And um, he said, oh, look, just come in. I'll, I'll get you a contract for a few weeks. Just come in and, you know, see what you think and just have a go. And I, I came, he, I actually started off doing a short contract at Salford first. I went to Salford first. And in that time, Bryn had got me into Staffs because he was he was teaching at Staffs then. And he said, oh, you know, come on, get yourself down here. And I did, and I've been there, uh, and I'm in my 29th year now. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah,
0: big one yeah. next year, isn't it? Yeah, big one. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you prefer, if you were to choose, if I was to say to you now, you could only ever do work or teach and you know i know there's things in that you're know, obviously how can you teach if you haven't worked but do you, would you pick either working or teaching if you had to have a choice well it's kind of
1: difficult brian because i enjoy the balance you know i think for me personally t- to make a difference for you guys you still need to understand what's going on in industry you know and the one things that i do teach obviously with a specialism in typography ideas and craft and, and type, those those things don't change. You know, whether you're, as far as type is concerned, whether you're working in print or whether you're working in screen, those basic rules of good typography apply no matter what you're working in. And you need, you know, as a graphic designer, you know, you need to be competent in type you need to understand how it works, not just software. Yeah, not oh yeah, but do that quick shorthand command. You know that will. That's not what I teach. I t- teach really the principles of of type.
0: Um, yeah, just kind of winding down then. Um, yeah, you mentioned at the beginning how you uh, you got into it by designing a blackletter typeface. Have you thought about designing your own typefaces at any point? I did. Or have you designed your own typeface? No, you? I started. I started. <laughs> and then I met my wife to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fair enough. And I, I never. It was, it was a typeface based on um, uh, number plate typography. And uh, I, I never, I, I think I did, I think I did about 10 characters and just just ground to a halt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You should go back to it. Yeah, do you do? maybe you well, it, maybe
1: how? when I retire, Brian. I've only got yeah, a few years left. I might I might pick that
0: up again <laughs> and design a five Start your own type foundry. Mm, yeah um, yeah, so at the end of all of these, I asked people the same question, which is it's kind of a bit fumbled. But if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice, I didn't put this in the email, I just completely forgot. But if you go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice when you first started, what would that be? And also, if you could give somebody who's graduating right now a piece of advice, what would that be? Gosh, Brian, you've put me on the spot here, mate. I know, I didn't put it in the yeah. email, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what
1: would that advice would I give myself? Um, do you know what, Brian? I'm really content. I, I'm i quite happy with the way everything worked out for me. Uh. I can't you know i i feel i feel very lucky that you know those first few years of my career I worked with some of the biggest names in the industry you know i worked i then went on to help found the chase you know a, so and i i outside of you know outside the teaching i've been self employed for many years and and still enjoy that. You know, so for myself, I don't, um, uh, you know, um, I can't think of anything that I'd say to myself. I wished I'd done that because I'm actually really content. The advice I'd give to students um, is type makes the difference. Okay. If you go, if you, if you, i mean like a number of students from staffs have actually gone on to get jobs because of their their typogra- because of their typography so for example there's a lad who works at love in manchester called harry heptonstall and he was he was really good with type and he went straight from um, staffs to the chase then he worked at the chase for a few years and i think at, I think, you know, for, for what is a small provincial agents um, uh, university, we do actually punch above our weight. We do get students into really good design companies, and I think that is testimony to all the teaching staff, Brian, everyone that works at works at at staffs, John, Sam, Richard, and myself, and then you know we're all we do all care. We care about trying to make the difference for you, you know, and you know we do we do okay. I think.
0: Hello, it's just me. Even though it was me, I think I don't know. Um. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I did ask Jim at the end if there's any way you can find him online, and he just said uh, through LinkedIn. So if you just search Jim Williams, he will he will pop up. It's uh, holding a book in his photo, I think. But yeah, it's nice to be doing this again. Um, I don't know when the next one of these will come out. Hopefully soon. I, d- I don't know, I'll be honest. Um, So I don't know if you will have noticed, but I've kind of tried to include an audio bed in parts of this. Um, It's kind of just kind of messing about with things to see how it sounds. It's it's kind of got... I, just, I was just listening to sort of more high-end produced podcasts and, and they had this thing where like if somebody was talking about it raining they they had the sound of rain in the background and i thought it created a bit of an atmosphere so i i, I tried to do that um i'll see in post i'll ask some people whether it's better or whether it, whether it's worse um but yeah that might be a thing i do from now on but yeah i shall see you all next time